Hello and welcome to Theoretically Theatrical. In this series, we peek behind the curtain and explore the world of performance. Today, we're speaking to teacher and story lover, Lucinda Sage Midgordon. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I grew up in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, in the states of Oregon and Washington. We moved a lot, and I I lived in a lot of small towns that didn't have movie theaters or even a public library. Our entertainment was pretty much watching television. And in those days, it was three channels and maybe a local channel and there were commercials and, you know, we would watch movies on television. And my father was really great at getting us to discuss the, what had happened. We, the commercials, we would say, I don't understand why that character did that just now. And so we'd talk about it during the commercial and then we'd watch the next segment. And eventually, as we got older, he would get us to talk about what the story meant. What was the, you know, what, what was it, the message that they were trying to get across in that story? So I, I didn't realize it at the time, but that just caused this passion for stories in me. And I started to learn a lot about myself through the stories that I watched and read too, because my mom was really an avid reader. And so she kind of started me off on romance novels. And in the seventies, which is when she handed them to me, uh, (laughs) they were pretty formulaic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not like romance novels now that are a lot more interesting. (laughs) So after about 10 of them, I said, you know, these are all the same. And I started to read (laughs) historical novels and mysteries and things like that. And then another thing that happened was in the United States, they started to have these high budget miniseries. I would watch those and I would go, you know, I want to go read that novel. All of my educational decisions, even my work decisions, for the most part, all had to do with story in some way. Mm -hmm. Religious studies was my first degree. Then I added theater and speech. I got my master's in theater when I tried to work in the corporate America and went, I can't do this. (laughs) When we moved to Portland and I was working in the, the theaters, I was teaching at like Portland parks and recreation departments to little kids. I was teaching drama. Uh And uh, homeschooled children, I did a stint at a gifted and talented program, but I was also working in semi-professional companies as a stage manager or running lights and sound. I worked for a company called the Musical Company that was subsidized by the city of Portland Mm -hmm. as an actor, a stage manager. I worked in their costume shop. How would you say working for theatre companies is different from uh, teaching drama and and theatre? Well, one of the things when I started teaching public school was I realized they don't know the jargon at all. They don't know the vocabulary. So I had to teach the vocabulary, how to position yourself on the stage and things like that. You know, at first I wasn't thinking of that, but I had to teach them all of that. In addition to how do you analyze your character? Yeah. If you are in a scene, what 
part of the play does your scene come in? Is it at the beginning? Is it in the middle? Or is it near the end? Because it's going to make a little bit difference about how you play your character. And then also you have to fill in the blanks because sometimes you don't know a lot about your characters. So you might have to make up a background for them. And I still love teaching and I'm teaching it at the college level now. But I, for two years, I got to teach five classes of drama and it was so fun. I'd always kind of in the back of my head, oh, I'd like to be a writer. Oh, but you know how you have that little critic in your head. Oh, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But I had written some things, like I wrote a children's book for our oldest nephew called Scottosaurus, the little dinosaur. It was for Christmas gift. Amazing. Which we did publish eventually as a kind of how do you how do you do this self-publishing thing? While I was teaching English, I realized I know how to help the students write good essays. Ooh. And so One day I was driving to school and I was thinking about this Henry David Thoreau piece that we were going to be talking about Mm -hmm. from Walden Pond. And uh, I said, oh, I call it my little voice, but it's more like a feeling, thought feeling. Yeah. You are supposed to be a writer. And I went, what? Oh, really? Oh. So I thought about that for a while. Well, so finally, eventually, I decided to do that, to stop teaching public school, start teaching part-time at the college, and become a writer. I wrote, I did write a memoir. I started off with a memoir, and that didn't turn out very well. But the idea for my novel came, and Mm -hmm. so I wrote, I did finish my novel, published it, Mm -hmm. and then... As time went on, I started the blog, which is really more like a memoir type blog. It's called Sage Woman Chronicles. Mm -hmm. My novel is called The Space Between Time. Mm -hmm. And so I've been working on the blog since 2013. Do you feel that your experience working with theatre companies, your experience teaching and and your uh, forays into writing, do they uh, influence each other, all these different experiences? Oh, yes. In every single aspect of what I do, and now the podcasting as well, which just Mm -hmm. developed during 2020, it's all about getting down to what is it that makes us human. You know, humans are complex beings, but we all have kind of common experiences. Uh And when I was acting, I realized I had something in common with almost every character that I played. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a part of me, an aspect of me that I could use to play that character. So I try to teach my acting students that you can, you may not become an actor, but what you learn here about human nature, you can use in the real world. Mm -hmm. And so that's always my goal. Could you tell us a little bit about your podcast and what you do on your podcast? I started listening to some podcasts. One in particular that I always mention is Anne Bogle's What Should I Read Next? It's the first podcast that I was dedicated to listening to every single week. Mm-hmm. And she is kind of like a, a book whisperer. So she asks her, her guests to tell a little bit about themselves. And then she asks them, what are three books you loved? One you didn't. 
And what are you reading now? And then she will suggest three books for them that might be good for them to read next. So I've been listening to it for probably a couple of years and I kind of had this little inkling in my head that maybe I could do a podcast, but I didn't know what it was going to be about. And because you have to have a focus as you know, (laughs) but slowly it came to me that, oh, you love stories. It's got to be about stories. And then the title story power came to me because for me, myths, all the Greek plays, all the plays throughout the ages that I've studied, all the stories that I've read and watched all have a powerful message Mm -hmm. about being human. Mm -hmm. And so at first the, the podcast was my former students and my Mm -hmm. colleagues at the college and family and we talked about the, the stories that they consumed in lots of different formats. And then I would ask them, what is it about that story? What did you learn from it? Or what is it that touched you about it? We may start with the books that they read or the artwork that they do or the music that they create. But really the most important or the most fascinating part to me is who they are. And what it's says about them or how their experience influences their impression of the stories. Exactly. You mentioned to be working um, with a fellow theatre maker, now become a a teacher like yourself. Can you tell Mm -hmm. me a bit about your collaboration with him? Yes. His name is Dave Dahl. I met him in 2017. I was, I love Shakespeare, but I'm not an expert in Shakespeare. But for some reason, I, uh, my little voice was saying, you need to direct Measure for Measure, mm. which is the Shakespeare equivalent of the Me Too movement. Yes. And, uh, and I said, I would really love to, but I have never directed a Shakespeare play before. I'm not sure I, I'm capable of doing that. And then the Harvey Weinstein story broke. Oh, yeah. And so I said, oh. I guess I'd better do that. Now there is a performance class called theater workshop at our college. So that's, I was going to have it be a class and Mm -hmm. I would cast like, I don't know, 10, if I could, 10 students. I advertised the auditions for that. And someone else that I know told him about measure for measure. So he contacted me and said, I'm a theater professional I've done that show seven times. I would like to help you. I was like, oh, thank heaven. (laughs) So he did come and helped us for two or three weeks. I put it outside on the steps outside the library Mm -hmm. because they had this nice large space where we could have enough chairs for the audience and also an acting area. It turned out really well. I liked working with Dave so much. I asked him to be a guest artist and help me with acting class a couple of times. Wonderful. And then, and then that morphed into, well, since he's a theater professional, he can teach the theater workshop class. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He taught theater workshop the December of 2019 and did Twelfth Night. And I helped him with that. And 
that was a huge success. They have this large, what they call the library commons, where students can just sit at tables and plug in their laptops. And in the process, he decided he was going to get a master's degree. And hopefully he will take over for me when he finishes that. Teaching became a part of your journey towards silencing your inner critic and allowing yourself to be uh, as creative as you want to be. He's sort of had a journey from performing to wanting to now come to teaching to share that knowledge. Mm -hmm. He started like an academy in Denver, I think it was, uh, you know, sort of like a for children and young adults with classes that help them then audition for like community theaters or Mm -hmm. something like that. What do you think are some of the ingredients to a good story? Because there's no one recipe, but do you think there are some ingredients in common? I have a friend who's now dead who helped me with my novel and said, you always have to beat up your characters. (laughs) Because I was, you know, I don't like beating up my characters. So... So unfortunately, yes, <laughs> you have to have conflict. Mm-hmm. And for me, the conflict always has to lead to the, the characters learning something. Well, mm-hmm. not all the characters are going to learn something, but the main character has to learn something and grow. Yeah. If it's a story where the character ends up going in a downward spiral and then killing themselves, I'm not interested. Yeah, that that does that seems. I'm not saying there isn't a place for stories like that, but that feels as if the the reader might not get anything out of that story apart from a sense of loss. Originally, tragedy. The main character had to die because they had to settle. The usually uh, the Greek tragedies were all about there was some imbalance and the king had to die or be banished to set things right. It has a potential of being better afterwards. So for me, I'm not interested in um, stories about greed, but any story, it could be a romance, it could be historical, it could be any kind of mystery. As long as people learn something, I'm up for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have to go through some bad times usually, but I mean, that's life. That's, we all have to do that yeah that that, one of the commonalities of humanity I suppose well Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming to speak to me Lucinda it's been an absolute pleasure where can people go to hear more from you my website is sage woman chronicles on wordpress at sagewoman.life and you can access my podcast there with the show notes you Mm -hmm. can also access information about my books. Scottosaurus is published. It's my husband did the illustrations for it. It's a lovely illustration. The Space Between Time is available on Smashwords in all different ebook formats. So if you have a like unconventional ebook reader, you can get it there. But it's also available at Amazon, iBooks, and Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, and the links for that are always, I have a little blurb about the book at the bottom of my podcasts and the links for those are always in that 
little blurb about my book. Oh, well, thank you so much uh, for coming to speak to us today. Oh, it has been so much fun. And I can't wait to talk to you oh, yes. in a few days <laughs> on my podcast, Story Powers. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can hear more from Lucinda on her blog and website. I'll provide a link in the show notes. If you want to suggest or submit a short story or a subject you'd like us to cover, then contact us through our Facebook page or Twitter and subscribe if you would like to hear more. This has been a Yorick Radio production.